financially curious folk out there and welcome back to the finance burrito where we go on an audible and surprisingly not an edible adventure to investigate some of the big money questions of our age my name is Liv G I'm a journalist at mozo.com.au which is a financial comparison website and with me is Tom Watson who is also a finance writer slash wizard at mozo so Tom what's on our plate today Hey, Liv. Hey, everyone. Um, I like Wizard as a title. I'm it's really very good. It. It's very good across the board in all industries. Uh, is, is this like a Gandalf the Grey kind of wizard, though? Because I was thinking that Finance Wizard sounds like the name of some awful payday lender or something like that. Yeah, that could be a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go Gandalf. Like, For sure. Strong. Yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom the Grey, something like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're hoping to spread a little bit of magic today. And what are we talking about, you ask? Well, mm-hmm. we are going to dig into the idea of savings goals. Um, is there a target that you should be aiming for by a certain age in life or by retirement? Or are these just stupid ideas that you know you should just give away uh we'll look at that we'll also be talking about fire so that's f-i-r-e fire or financial independence retire early and we've lined up an interview with someone who lives fire and has really Ooh. taken financial freedom to the next level yeah <laughs> smoking <laughs> is that an ace venture reference there i don't know <laughs> uh, and to finish up As always, we'll crack open a can of worms by sharing our thoughts on making a donation to charity for somebody's birthday via Facebook. So is it a great way to give and to spread the word of giving or is it just a little bit of a vanity trip? Look, it's a veritable smorgasbord out there, sounding delicious, full on, Um, but we may as well jump straight into it. Let's do it. Um, Let's let's get in there. Uh, So we start each episode with the meat or vegan substitute of your preference. And this is where we nab some finance research, uh, which can be kind of complicated, and we break it down into bite-sized nuggets. Yeah, so this week, the topic is actually surprisingly complex. And like I said before, it is how much should we have in our savings accounts right now and as we progress through life. So we're really looking at savings targets. Yeah, so it's an interesting one because people will often sort of want a quantifiable target so they can sort of compare what they've got to the rest of the world on sure. average. I think that's yeah. pretty natural. It, it feels like it makes sense, but it's sort of not always that simple and striving for a particular figure can leave people, especially younger people who might be at the beginning of their careers or struggling in other ways financially, in a bit of an anxious frame of mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And I think now more than ever, you know, economic issues are at the top mm-hmm. of everybody's news feeds and therefore at the top of everyone's minds. And we don't want to be totally negative here. But, you know, the fact is that there's obviously a lot of concern among younger Australians about their present and their future financial positions. And we've actually got some data on this because earlier this year, so before the pandemic, um, Mozo conducted a survey on how millennials felt about their financial future. And we found that 51% of 18 to 38-year-olds were concerned about their financial futures and believed that 
it might be touch and go down the line as to whether they'd have enough money and assets to live on. Yeah, and it's a pretty worrying figure, but I think it's sort of kind of important to remember that this survey and, and a lot out there are based on perception. Yeah, totally. So you, you might feel like your future doesn't hold a lot of financial stability right now because something that you're going through at the moment. So, you know, a lot of people are struggling to find full-time work right now, or maybe you've just had a couple of big expenses come up like a dental procedure. I know some people who just had their wisdom teeth out or Mm. car maintenance, like these things like seriously smash your wallet. Um, Totally. And, you know, maybe this just the whole economic outlook in general is making you feel despondent. And those things are all important and they're real. Um, but I think that the big thing is that, is that they can also change over time. For sure. And you, you then kind of have to think about how those saving targets that you, you want to grasp onto fit into that. So if we say something like, you know, by this age, you should, should have X amount saved that can kind of just make people spiral out of control if they're nowhere near that figure mm. and really get bogged down in it. And you can kind of, we sort of saw that happen a few years ago uh, with this article on Market Watch, which is a uh, US financial website, which um, it went kind of viral because it said, by the time you're 30, you should have the equivalent of your salary in savings. So say you're earning 60 grand a year, you should have 60 grand in savings. And by the time you're 35, you should have doubled that in savings again that's that just seems crazy to me so you so you've got to make an extra 60k in your savings account in in just five years yep it's full on and the general consensus at the time because it was 2018 was that it was kind of unachievable and a really disheartening precedent to set and yeah I mean, fair enough yeah. <laughs> i'm just like oh i'm never gonna get that but Obviously, you know, setting your own goals is always a good idea, but maybe this search for a specific number is futile, especially when there are so many different sort of like measurements and theories out there for what that figure should be by certain ages or life stages. Yeah, I I mean, 100% agree. Uh, I I think it's natural for people to want to have that fixed dollar figure to be able Mm. to aim for. But it's it's so variable depending on your own situation and how can you possibly compare to an entire cohort of, you know, other millennials or 25 mm. to 35-year-olds. It's just crazy. So instead, one of the alternatives is that, you know, a lot of people um, decide to do is to do the old put away 20, 30% of your paycheck. So, you know, something that you can like do as an individual to Mm. build up a savings balance, which is not a bad thing. We're not saying that's a bad thing at all. Um, I guess the other thing to recognize as well is that maybe you're happy spending now because you're young and you want to travel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, live, laugh, love. Am I right? Live. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, I, I don't want to say that you should get a tattoo on your lower back that says oh, live, laugh, goodness. love. But, uh, or have I already? <laughs> is that where you put your savings? <laughs> no, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but yes, I totally feel you there. And I think whether you're spending it all or saving a little bit, I think that sort of the, the percentage conversation is really important because you're going to be earning a different different amounts, you know, throughout the year, maybe you have a full-time job and then you go back to like a casual or freelance basis and things, things change. You don't want to be putting that like a huge amount of pressure on yourself when it's just not achievable. Definitely. So Mm. we were having a bit of a talk about this and 
if you are the kind of person who feels a little bit more secure with a long-term financial plan of action, so to speak, uh, maybe superannuation is actually the better metric to go off. Yeah, and I think it's something that I certainly forget about. I think a lot of people might as well. Yeah. Um, Because if you're a a working adult in Australia, um, your employer is required to pay into your super fund, the super guarantee, which is 9.5% on top of your annual salary. So, I think that's a big chunk that we forget about. And um, that's been a requirement for the past 30 years for all workers across the board who are over 18 and employed. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's, it's something that I don't factor into my own kind of savings plan, whether that's for, you know, a short-term goal, like buying a new bicycle or, you know, retiring. I don't really, I, I always forget about super. Yeah, well, the advice is to like, you know, keep your hands away from it, right? To, I don't know if that slapping noise came through or not. <laughs> no, very good. Uh, and to kind to kind of give an example, we we dug up some figures uh, about the average balances that people have at different ages, um, and this is ABS data from twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, and we're looking specifically at, at younger Australians, obviously. But the average balance for twenty five to thirty four year olds, so the bulk of millennials was $41,000 for men and $31,000 for women. So, obviously, a different conversation that we could have there about the oh, uh, discrepancy there. Maybe <laughs> we'll leave that for another episode. But, Indeed. hey, that's that's just a, a couple of figures that maybe give people a guide um, as to, you know, where they might want to be. But like we said earlier, it's just a guide. Your situation can change and it can always improve as well. Totally. And I think keeping in mind that what you're trying to be on track for is a a comfortable retirement, right? Um, So, it's like not necessarily for the right now. It is long-term. And if you're looking long-term, the Association of Superannuation Funds of Australia, which is the big body that kind of looks at all this stuff, Mm. um, they estimate the amount you need in your super for that sort of like comfortable retirement um, to happen is... $640,000 $640,000 for a couple Ooh. or 545k for a single person and this assumes to be on a partial age pension so right. government support and I know so there's a big kind of whew, there the moment. big numbers <laughs> right yeah it sounds like a hell of a lot but if you think about it if um like me right now you are 25 so I'm uh, on the the younger side of the millennial spectrum you're probably looking at another like 35-ish years of working. It's like, oh, good Lord. It's only been a few, but it's already feeling like a lot. So, you're, and throughout the time, your work's going to be adding that, that uh, uh, what, ne- the necessary contribution to your fund. You can potentially make some extra voluntary contributions as well in times of plenty. And then interest will be compounding on top of that. So, 35 years is a, you know, we got a lot of time to, to make up that amount. So, I think we can sort of, you know, take take a breath. Yeah, definitely. You know, like you said, there is time. And hopefully that gives people a little bit of a reassurance. Uh, because I think my takeaway from all of this has been that individual savings goals and targets are great. Um, and those super averages that we we're talking about before, they can be a really useful guide. But making sweeping generalizations about an entire age mm. bracket and setting goals that way it's not useful, in my opinion. And uh, no. 
Speaking of averages, in our next section of the podcast, we're going to be speaking with someone who is far from average, at least uh, financially, that is. Yes, so it's time for the source. And um, each week in this segment, we seek out some new ideas from money pros and everyday Joes around Australia. This episode section of The Source, we are talking FIRE, aka Financial Independence Retire Early. And to do so, we are joined by a bit of a FIRE expert, even though you might not call yourself that, Katie, but to me you are, Katie Winter. So thanks so much for joining us, Katie. Um, and I guess for anyone listening, the first question that we have to address is, what is FIRE? So maybe you can give us like a bit of a 101 in terms of what it actually means. Yeah, it's actually a, a somewhat contentious topic. Um, I would say FIRE um, is the idea of focusing on retiring early in order to enjoy your life. So um, it's not retiring early and living it what people stereotypically think of as like an oldies life and doing nothing ever again. It's having the financial freedom to be able to go and do what you want. So there's different views. Some people talk about fat fire or lean fire. Um, they're generally referring to the amounts you live off. So fat fire is where you're, you attempt to retire with a, a passive income so from dividends usually of say 100k a year per person lean fire is where you attempt to retire with just enough money to get by like just hoping nothing bad like you know COVID is gonna throw things out of whack um I came into fire because I wanted to be financially stable and a lot of the early proponents um were men who had basically lived right down to the wire like they they kept all their finances really tight, dropped anything they didn't need in life, but still feel, felt they were living really fulfilling lives. They weren't penny pinching in their minds. They weren't, you know, living off beans and rice. They were enjoying their lives. And the point is that your finances don't control your life, essentially. So you've been on the fire journey yourself for a, a few, sorry, a few years now, right? Yep. Can you tell us, I mean, how you got into it in the first place and why you started off? Sure. Um, I have a very, I guess, an unusual journey, a life journey myself. Um, I had my first daughter when I was 25. Um, my partner at the time had a uh, mental breakdown. And so by the time my daughter was born, we were living in um, a very small unit with no heating, no cooling. It was the middle of winter. We used to take her on really long walks in her baby wrap Um and I just decided that that was not how I wanted to live my life. That's uh, not how I wanted to raise my daughter, mm. um, to be so um, at the mercy of, of financial problems. One thing goes wrong and suddenly, you know, you, you have no control over your life. Um, so I started doing a lot of research, um, reading lots of books on, on financial management and, and other things like that. Um, and along the way, I came across the concept of fire. Um, so Jacob Lund Fisker, who wrote a book called Early Retirement Extreme, it was actually a blog first, um, and he had some really radical ideas for living that really struck a chord with me. I'm very into minimalism um, and was at the time. For me, it's about really maximising experiences in life, having experiences with people, having experiences that you value um, and not focusing so much on material possessions, having things, having a flashy car and a two-storey house and all those sorts of things. Um, 
so yeah, my husband and I ended up having a second child and, and then uh, we divorced and I was a single parent with both my daughters full time. So my, my journey's kind of been up and down. Lots of changes have occurred. It hasn't been a linear progression and it certainly hasn't been, um, you know, the one that's sort of Instagram worthy where it's the perfect story. And I, I was able to retire early as a single mum of two kids. Um, I'm certainly not there yet, but it informs how I make financial decisions, how I choose to live my life, um, what I spend on or what I don't spend on. Um, and so, yeah, even though for me, reaching fire is, is still a, a ways off, probably a good decade. I mean, my early thirties, um, it still informs the way that I live because I want to enjoy my life and not not be a slave to money. Did you have any hesitations early on when you first started the journey? Not at all. I think for me, it really resonated when I was younger. Before I had kids, um, I'd been really into minimalism. Um, the idea of identifying what you truly value in life—you know, connections, experiences learning. Um, for me, it also includes travel. So basic travel, not extravagant, but traveling to new places. Um, and so when I came across FIRE, it was basically a financial plan, which emphasized that, um, which talked about um, living the sort of life, which I always aspired to things that people probably considered a bit weird about me that I didn't have a television. I'd never been really interested in watching TV. Um that, you know, for me, I'd much rather go camping than go to Bali or um, that I was a bit of a homebody. So going out partying and drinking and all those social events weren't really my thing. I'd rather catch up with my friends at home or at a park over a cup of coffee. Um, so the, the financial movement itself really linked back to the way that I wanted to live um, the way I was living and the way I wanted to live my life, which also then moves into elements of sustainability um, because essentially the more self-sufficient you are, if you use solar power, if you grow your own food, certainly not available to everyone. But again, that's reducing your expenses. It's not necessarily a, a hippie driven lifestyle, even though I call myself a bit of a hippie. Um, <laughs> it, 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 you're, you're reducing your costs because, hey, you have a summer garden, which takes you not a huge amount of effort to plant. You water it every day and not much else, and then you get, you know, pumpkins for the year or corn to last you two weeks. Um, so, yeah, for me, it really just resonated with everything that I was already about. That's really interesting because I think, um, and maybe I had this misconception too, uh, not knowing a whole heap about fire, knowing a little bit, um, but I guess I had the idea in my head that um, the, the, the kind of the journey that people went on was one of like real frugality and sacrifice and that people might not necessarily l enjoy living until they actually achieved fire. Um, so it sounds like you, you know, you, this is a real part of your life and one that you actually enjoy too. So I, I, I guess my question is then, do you have a, a fixed goal uh, that, you know, in, in terms of fire, is there a time frame that you have on this that you and your partner and you, your family have? Not really. I think I'm, I'm a really um, data-driven person. You know, I love my spreadsheets and analysing my expenses. So early on I did um, and then I'd say about seven or eight years of very intense life experiences taught me that there's so much you can't control. Um, my mum died when I was eight months pregnant. My stepdad died two months later. My entire life changed. Um, and for me they were things that I just realised I can't, 
I can't control everything. So um, I think people who've been part of the fire movement for a long time, almost all of them will tell you that it's about enjoying your life. The idea isn't to slave away at 40, 50 hour weeks for five years just so that you can retire early. It's about really just finding value in life. Um, for me now it's like I said, because it informs all my decisions, um, when my partner and I are looking at buying something or we make any sort of financial decision or even lifestyle decisions, we make it within that framework, but we also make it within the framework. We want to enjoy our lives. You know, he's, he's luckily, he's a firefighter. He loves what he does and has no desire really ever to retire. Um, but it's also just about having the freedom available. So the sooner we can get to that point, the better, because we don't have financial necessity to work. Um, if emergencies come up, you know, between us, we have five kids. If something happens with one of them, we're financially well-placed to deal with that. Um, but until then, we're just trying to minimise our expenses as much as possible, pay off a mortgage as quickly as possible, um, but not sacrifice our enjoyment of life in the meantime. That's really interesting. Uh, that's one misconception, uh, you know, changed for me. I guess another, well, maybe not something that, that people naturally assume, but maybe you could kind of take us through a little bit of your day-to-day life when it comes to spending. So you've already touched on it a little bit uh, already, but do you have a, you know, a super strict shopping list or do you have a gym membership or a Netflix subscription? How, how do those kind of like day-to-day expenses fit in when you're thinking about fire as well? Yeah, good timing because I just did my July, started drafting my July budget expenses or not budget, but but what we actually spent last month. Um, I think generally we kind of break it up into different categories. So there's expenses that are recurrent that you have every month, you know, gas, electricity, internet. For them, we basically will look around, try and find the best deal. And that's an iterative process. You know, we might come back to it every six or 12 months so that we can make sure we're getting the best option. Um, if my partner, partner sees something, he'll mention it to me. We might sit down and discuss it. Um, so those sort of ongoing things, we will touch base with every now and again, but in the interim, we just leave it. Um, groceries, um, apart from housing, is probably our biggest expense. As I said, we've got seven of us in the family half the time and four of us the rest of the time. Um, so the way that we do shopping is generally, again, if we like something, we buy it. We still buy foods that um, some people might consider expensive. You know, we have bacon, for example. It's not cheap. We don't only eat a vegetarian diet. We shop at um, places where we can get fruit and veg cheaply. Um, we try and just look at ways of, of minimising expenses. We meal plan. Um, I don't think we do anything that's particularly uncommon. It's just that we apply it to all areas of our life. Um, we, I mean, we don't have a gym membership. My partner, as he said, because he's a firefighter, he trains at work. Um, it's just that we always have that question of do we really need this and does it bring value to our life? Um, we do, you mentioned Netflix. We do have a Netflix subscription, um, with five kids, four of them remote schooling at the moment. I think we'd possibly go insane if we didn't. Fair um, enough. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's really about weighing up whether something truly brings you value or you're getting it just because it'd be nice, but then you forget about it or other people will look at you a certain way if you have it. Um, do you really need, you know, the luxury version of something or it'd be just as good to get the average version. In some cases, the answer is yes. In some cases, the answer is no. 
it's really just about reflecting with yourself and, and really sitting down and having a think about it. I think it's so easy to go through life making impulsive decisions about things that feel good in the moment that maybe we regret later rather than sitting down and going, look, do I really need lots of clothes or lots of shoes? Um, something that's always boggled my mind. I think I have about five pairs of shoes and most of them are sneakers or, you know, outdoor wear. Um, I, I could never understand women who had 40 pairs of shoes when I, I just can't understand when you, you would wear that many. Um, but then for some people that's, that's their enjoyment or their hobby. Um, it's a really personal thing. Um, I don't think you can tell anybody else how to minimize their expenses, but it's really about reflection and what has value and makes you happy and constantly makes you happy versus what's just in your life or you've done it out of habit for a while. And what about your approach to savings? So you, obviously to achieve why you're going to need a certain amount of money in, in the bank or invested. Uh, do you guys have um, like a, a kind of a percentage of, of your income that you dedicate towards savings or towards investing um, that's consistent or how, how do you approach it? Yeah, so previously we'd put our money in either savings or shares. Um, we've just taken out a, a mortgage um, to buy a house with a large bit of land. So again, we can grow a lot of our own food. Um, so essentially our approach will be to keep as much as we can in shares. And that's purely based on the fact that we get a better return in shares than the mortgage rates at the moment. Um, additional money we'd sit in the offset until it makes sense to move that money into the, the share market. Um, I think it's, we don't have a set savings percentage at the moment um, with lots of different things shifting around. It can be hard to track that. Um, sure. mm. Our general view is the more we can just minimise our expenses, the better. With kids, which is the biggest expense, if anyone ever asks me how you achieve fire sooner, it's just don't have kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're variable expenses as well. You know, you think you're all set and then somebody goes through a growth spurt and you have to buy a whole new bunch of close for them um so i think that throws throws out things on a on a day-to-day scale um but it's just it's a constant process Mm. process of reassessment i think um sure sure um this is obviously such a big part of your life and it fits in with uh you know your other perspectives on life you're talking about minimalism before so it, I, I kind of imagine this is something that you keep a secret from your friends or your family right and um so assuming that, how, how do they feel about it? Are they Is this just kind of like normal to them as well? I, honestly, it's just never really come up, I guess, because, I mean, finances are kind of such a taboo thing in Australia, I think. Um, mm, very much so. We don't really talk about our incomes or our expenses. We might mention, you know, oh, we've got a, a 200K renovation, but even in terms of house prices, if, if people buy a house, they very rarely sort of disclose how much they paid for it. We like spending time with our friends, but I think a lot of people these days, I mean, sort of pre-COVID these days, if you know what I mean, um, mm. it's nice to have dinner with your friends. I think um, as we get older and more people become more financially aware, you don't need to go out to a fancy restaurant or drinking at a bar or a cafe. Um, just gathering friends around a dinner table is a great way to see each other, especially given, again, we have kids. Anyone with kids will know it's so hard to take them out anywhere. Um, if you're at somebody's house, it makes life a lot easier. So it just doesn't really 
come up, I guess, the way that we live. We don't look like um, we're people wearing our clothes until they're threadbare or with any sort of insanely kooky habits. Um, I know some people who've used the the strings from tea bags to kind of crochet into washcloths. Um, Wow. Yeah. So to me, that would be extreme frugality where the effort Mm. expended doesn't give you back the benefit. Um, And and in that, you know, we're not really interested in that. um, I'm guessing guessing that tip about using the tea bag string would not be advice that you (laughs) give to someone else interested in, in, in fire then, but um. What would your advice be for someone that is interested in in getting into it, or what would you yourself have lo- would have loved to have known uh, before you actually got started all those years ago? I guess it it really comes back to the think about how you spend your money. I think the hardest thing for a lot of people is we think we know what we spend, but kind of that sort of bit of shame and guilt you get when you look back over your bank statements. Um, I think is something a lot of people avoid. When you actually sit down and look and categorise everything you've spent on, even over the last month, I think that can be um, just really eye-opening for some people, you know, those little purchases that add up or the things that you think, oh, that seems so important three weeks ago and have I even used it or worn it or whatever else. I think being honest with yourself about your finances, um, going in looking at the numbers um, and generally I really just recommend people reading the blogs of people even more extreme than them. Um, because I feel that it pushes you outside of your comfort zone. You may certainly not go as extreme as they have, but it, it expands your comfort zone with what's normal. If you just stick to people who are at your same level of maturity, I guess, with finances, you're not really challenging yourself. For me, I really found that as I mentioned, the early retirement extreme, um, Mr. Money Mustache is another blog. Um, unfortunately, they're both American. Aussie Firebug is Australian, so he, he writes from an Australian perspective. I think there's also um, Strong Money is also an Australian blog. Um, I recommend just reading different people's experiences. There's something to learn from everybody's approach. Um, at the end of the day, if you take those core principles um and apply them to your own life. I think whether you retire early or not is almost irrelevant. If you can improve your experience of life, if you can enjoy your life more and be less under less financial pressure, they're all positive things. To me, it's not about reaching a perfect um, goal of early retirement. It's about enjoying your life, improving your finances. So you're not beholden to that. Katie, that was Fascinating. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything with us. It was just, I wish we had more time for a few more questions, but we'll have to leave it there. So thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. It's kind of surprising how achievable a lot of what she's saying is to me. Like I really wasn't expecting it to be so, like I I was expecting to be more hardcore than that, I reckon. Yeah, I totally went into that conversation with a very, um, I guess, stereotyped uh, idea of what fire was and yeah. how people approach it. Like, I was thinking like real penny pinches. And like not a mother of five being able to to do it. I'm like a single person that's just like, yeah, I'm spending nothing. Exactly. Like like Katie said, that uh, I think there's like a, a the idea that uh, people doing fire are like, you know, kind of 
a little bit mm. well off already or they've got good jobs, you know, double incomes, no kids, like she said. But, um, yeah, she really proved that that stereotype is a stereotype and she was definitely For sure. not that. And I really like that. Yeah, and I like how it kind of like her ideas of finance really kind of fit in with the um, with the rest of her life and and her ideas on uh, like minimalism and sustainability. I think that's uh, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like the money isn't what's leading it. It just kind of makes sense with everything else. Exactly, and she's been uh, following that for you know a number of years now, and it seems to be working really well for for her and and for her fam. So yeah, yeah. great uh, great insight. I think good on it. Uh, we should probably move on because it is time to spill the beans, as we do every week. Uh, so every episode, we end the show by discussing an awkward money question or, you know, even sharing a confession, either of our own or from one of you, the listeners. Yeah, it's spill, 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 baby. <laughs> Woo! But seriously, uh, we're talking about birthday presents, oh, yeah. a very serious topic. To, to round things out. And now Tom and I, uh, we're both Leos, aren't we? And we have parties around the corner. So uh, talking about birthday parties, we are ruminating on those Facebook charity campaigns that people often will link out uh, when their birthdays are, are coming up and ask for donations as alternatives Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people gifts. listening have seen this become a thing in recent years. I know I definitely have. Um, I've seen a fair few of them recently. Um, maybe because yeah. nobody can Perhaps. actually give physical presents at the moment. I don't know. Mm. Uh, but there's just been a lot of talk recently about donations in general because of the bushfires, more recently with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but to start things mm. off, Liv, would you, A, donate it all, B, if you would, how much would mm-hmm. you give, and C, would you make it public? Okay, so A, yes, Ooh, and I okay. have done so recently. And I actually do this I actually do this a fair bit because I'm actually otherwise very disorganized with my like sort of like charitable giving. Like I'm not signed up to, to do a regular monthly donation to any one group because I just I, I flip flop and I and I kind of get I get distracted. There's too many things to to con- to consider. So I have been sat signed down up by any properly. of late so or kind of, like that. <laughs> no, but so I kind of actually find these as a helpful reminder that I do need to, you know, give back when I can. And um, when I when I do donate, I'll sort of it's dependent mostly not so much on the the person whose birthday it is, but more on the charity that they are sort of that they're uh, promoting in in okay, an essence. Yeah. And I sort of look into it and um, yeah, make sure that it's you know uh, something that a cause that I support. But yeah, so I find it a, a good reminder. And then yeah, if I think it's Depending on what kind of charity it is, I sort of give you know roughly maybe like fifty bucks, you're, which is generous. Kind of more than I would give as a yeah to charity. <laughs> a little yeah, because like yeah, and because I haven't fact otherwise factored a regular mm. charitable donation into my budget, it's sort of like it's a little bit. I guess it's a little bit. Hey, of that's always a great motivating factor to open your wallet for sure. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Exactly. So I think I think in, on those on those grounds, they're sort of. They're good because they, for people like me who are disorganized, they do remind you that it's something as a, you know, a, someone with a full-time job, mm. that it's something that I should be doing. Yeah, see, that's Would the big I make question. Would public? Like, is the donation enough or do yeah. you need to push it out there too? Let the so, rest of the world, you know. Generally, I don't make the 
amount public because sometimes the amount fluctuates because sometimes I just have more or less money at whatever time. But I do because I think a lot, I think most of them have the option to go, you know, show that you gave to this this mm. um, charity drive. And I say yes to that for the same reasoning being like, oh, if someone sees that I've done this for this cause, maybe they're the same as me and, and it'll prompt them to help as well. So, yeah, that's me. It's like <laughs> a bit wrapped up in awkwardness, but also try, trying to be a, a good person a bit yeah, on the fly. Yeah, I, I, um, I think that makes sense. <laughs> what about... Yeah, but like in terms of the birthday aspect of it, what do you reckon, Tob? Do you give like whatever amount that you would otherwise be giving, you know, going out and buying? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last present I gave. I feel like I just chuck money in with other people nowadays to get bigger presents, if at all. So like the the only dollar figures I remember when I was a kid and going to a birthday party and my parents would be like, you have twenty dollars to choose a toy for someone. That's that's the budget. Nice Toys R Us twenty bucks. Exactly. Like so I feel like that's set. continued on. Yeah. And that's probably what I give to these <laughs> charity things if I do give now. So maybe like twenty five okay. bucks, I think. Uh so I would give. I have given recently uh, a, a guest to to one friend's uh, in memory and. Would I make it public though? No, it's that's just not really my thing. I, I guess I'm so cynical. Like I understand it's for a good cause, but oh, I just oh, yeah, you know, I'm not a big social media guy anyway. So putting putting that out there is that's not fair. is not my kind of thing. You want to keep yeah, your thing yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I still like the idea of giving something to someone in person as well so if i did this if i gave my 25 dollar donation i'd probably still buy them a beer as well at the pub you know something really generous like that okay i mean i've given them that this is what they asked for so i'm I maybe i maybe i'll forego the pub this wow year so you're gonna sting out on my, around my charitable donation look they wanted me to be a good person and i did it that was um in their so. name I guess so, so. <laughs> But I think I think the beans are well yes. and truly spilled on this one. Um, so if you've got your own thoughts, all you uh, listeners out there on the topic, uh, go ahead and share them on Facebook or even ping us a message with um, some of your own money confessions or a new awkward topic that we can agonize over. Yeah, in the, give us something uh, weeks juicy and and yeah, you know, something something secret, something that we can. Talk, talk about, <laughs> you know, that we will share. Yeah. And then um, remember, please, to subscribe and review if you've had a good time listening, uh, because we always appreciate that bit of feedback. And speaking of appreciation, a big thanks to our producer, Claire, our researchers, Jada and Gemma, and our social media whiz, Rihanna, as always, for their hard work on the episode. Yep, always great work, guys. So, yeah, everyone tune in uh, for the next episode in a fortnight. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give you is to make your own financial decisions or seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.